today's guest is painter and entrepreneur Ashley Longshore. I want to start off with apologizing for some of the beeps and the bongs that go off. It's not your email. It was in our recordings, so sorry about that. But in our discussion, we talk about things about like being a brand, learning from partnerships, about how creativity is not necessarily a solo practice, anxiety, living with it, dealing with it, using it in our artwork, my issues of self-limitations and her opinion on on my issues, and how collectors really want to have relationships with living artists. So it's not just the artwork, but it's actually building those relationships that will help your career grow. Okay, let's go. Let's rock and roll. Let's jump right in. I gotta, I gotta get painting. My time is money. My money is time, baby. Let's go. Fair enough. Where are you located right now? I'm actually in my farm about an hour north of New Orleans. So I'm, I'm in the woods and I've never been happier. I've got space around me and little creatures and it's, it's magnificent. Marvelous. Okay. Jumping right into it. Uh, Childhood. How did you even come to being creative? Well, I was grounded a lot. (laughs) You know, I've always been very high spirited I always felt weird and different and was raised to be like a little Southern lady. Much to my mother's chagrin, I ended up being this foul-mouthed, wild, little raven-haired, just spitfire. I got in trouble all the time. First time I got in trouble for cursing was in kindergarten when I was five years old. That's pretty early. Yeah. Well, my mother drove me to school and somebody tried to cut her off on the interstate and she called them like, cock juggling motherfucker so I went it was my day to play my record at kindergarten and so I went to put on my little record of the Muppet show and the needle had broken and so I was like cock juggling motherfucker you know and it just felt right and so you know I, you know you you find out who you want to be and you you know then, then you just you you just go for it so all right so before we got started recording, I, I told you that I, I had admittedly, I'm a bit uh, intimidated to talk to you in in many ways, because as I will state again, like I've been, I'm you know properly trained through academic rigor, and I'm also a professor, so I teach in the academic structure, and every single thing that all of my, my professors and all the stuff that I've been telling students for years is the absolute opposite of what it is that you've done. And yet in realistic terms, you are more financially successful than almost all of us put together. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that because we haven't compared our bank accounts and success is very subjective. I was told that I wasn't marketable. I was told that I couldn't do it. And you know, that just pissed me off and I realized I had something to prove. So I was like, I'm going to fucking do this my own way. You know, I think also being an American woman, you know, I want that dream. I don't want to have to suck a dick to go buy a handbag. I don't want to have to ask my daddy for money. So, you know, being a person that's creating, taking thoughts and creating tangible items and then being able to make money from that. I mean, look, I mean, that that's, that, that's a high that no drug or dick will ever give you. I love that. And look, the sky is the limit. There's an infinite amount of money to be made out there. there there's no limits on that. And it's not just all about money. You know, I mean, I can tell you in the beginning, 
success to me was making $500 in a month because I could pay my rent and then order pizza and drink beer with my friends. You know, now, you know, pulling in a strong double comma every year and having to refer to one of my clients as her excellency, that's exciting, but so was making $500 and having pizza and not worrying about it. You know, all, all success is very, is very relative, very subjective. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I have things like I know people that say they want to be in museum exhibitions or they want to have monographs of their work. I mean, there are all kinds of different. You know what? Listen, here's the thing. When you're an artist, your career is not just while you're living. Your career extends after you're dead. So I figured galleries and museums can have all of me that they want when I'm fucking dead. Right now, I'm going to work directly with my clients. I'm going to have that intimate relationship. And I'm going to fucking keep 100% of my goddamn profit margins. I'm going to have my own fucking team and my own fucking company, and I'm going to control it. Okay, which begs the question, what was sort of that catalyst? Because you mentioned a little bit about like, they told you you weren't marketable and all this kind of stuff. So like, what was the thing that- We fucking broke. The hotter the fire, the stronger the steel. And the thing about it is we put limitations on ourselves. Fear is such a huge blocker. And I think when you're creative, there's many different levels of fear that you have to go through. It's like, it's like a fucking video game. First is- Oh no, look at this big white canvas. What the fuck am I putting there? Oh no, I'm not inspired. Oh no, I've painted something. Are they going to hate it? Oh no, I'm going to post it. People are going to hate it. Oh no, I'll never I'll never sell this. Oh no, I'm not good enough. There's all of this fear. How am I going to pay my bills? You know, I've got to get more supplies. How do I find my audience? How do I get out there? It's a fucking video game. You literally wake up in the morning. You have to tell yourself all the reasons why you are going to be successful, why you can paint something. You fucking just go for it. And you just, you know, you have to wipe those negative thoughts like a windshield wiper just slaps rain off the windshield and you just go for it. Because at the end of the day, the most valuable thing we have creatively is our fucking time. Time is is our most precious commodity. People whine and complain about prices in the art world. You, you want to know why some art's really fucking expensive? Because that person is going to be dead one day. They only have so many days in their life to fucking create. So now is the time. Now is the time. All right. Yeah. I'm. You want to buy a painting? <laughs> I can't afford to buy paintings. <laughs> I trade is what I do, actually, as an artist. Right. I do. You're a trader, because then we get to fuck the government. Yeah, but I love it. Yeah, no trade, no no taxes, no nothing. You just, you know, barter for each other. Certain, you know, basically, you're each other's services. Exactly. Okay. Now, so walk me through a little bit of the process of like when you're when you started out. So I saw that you went to school in Montana, and then you went got out of school, and then so like. What were some of the trials and travails that you gone through that you went through that were that that sort of led up to the point? Because I mean, to a certain extent, at this point, you're a, you're a brand, you know, and it's like every artist is a brand. Every artist is a brand. But, you are creating something. You're creating your life. You're putting your own life energy out there. You are a motherfucking brand, right? You okay, are. but the difference is between the other million brands in the world that are not as successful. And I'm not saying financially. I'm just saying like, the popularity or or you know influence over the 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 market. Uh, oh, people hate me. People hate the fuck out of me. 
They love me. They hate me. Look, it's, this is not easy. We are in battle right now. When you put yourself out there, it's like you're like a warrior out there in the middle of a green field taking arrows. You don't know who's hiding in the forest. Who's who's a wolf and who's a fucking dog? Who's going to shoot you? Who's going to hug you or give you a fucking clock upside the chin? You know, this ain't easy. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, I, I, you know, most artists battle with some sort of drug addiction, alcoholism, depression, something like this over the course of their lifetime. I, I'm not destructive yet. I haven't hit that phase yet. I'm past that phase. Mine was in my late 20s, early 30s. So not dealing with that anymore, I, ho- I hope. <laughs> now, okay, so your work... All right, from what I researched... Now, bear with me because, of course, the internet, not always 100% truthful. So, That's the truth. <laughs> so from what I researched on the internet... From what I tell about your work, you were generally, you have been very accepted into the fashion industry and sort of creating uh, uh, cross pollinated sort of products and, and cross, you know, doing things at Fashion Week and things like this. Have you been accepted equally in the art, art slash gallery institutional kind of uh, realm? I haven't sought them out. Fair enough. It, it, that that would be like you asking me, how's it going looking for, for girlfriends? I ain't looking for a girlfriend. Okay. So like, so you intentionally chose to do this. Again, the art world can have me when I'm dead. That's when they'll prefer me actually, because they're not going to want me to talk about giving up 50% and clients not knowing that. They're not going to want to know, you know, my opinions about how when people buy from galleries, they're investing the same amount of money into a a middleman brick and mortar as they are into the artists themselves. How I think that completely fucks with the value of artwork. Why most collectors have no idea that that's the split because they think that they're fueling the arts. I mean, nobody wants to hear my shit about that, which is why I went and did my own thing. Now, all that being said, there's a lot of artists and a lot of incredible galleries that are amazing. Look, 50%, that is what it is. It doesn't work for me. That doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people. I, there are moments when I'm very envious of just studio artists that just get to paint all day and other people get to make all of their business decisions and deal with the clients and the shipping and the certificates of authenticity and managing a team and PR and being on airplanes and all that. I just love the challenge of juggling that right and left brain all at the same time. Well, and that's a special kind of person. That's the thing. You know, most people who go into the creative industries don't want to deal with business, and that's why they go into the creative industries. So you have this strength of yourself that you have some business mind and some creative mind sort of that you can somehow find some magical balance that most of us don't possess, sadly. Well, no, I mean, it's not, it's not sad because, to be honest with you, there are lots of people that have a lot more money than I do that would consider the way I live just destitute. So, I mean, it's, it's all very relative. <laughs> yeah, I don't know those people. Actually, I do know those people, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually know a lot of them and very few of them are. I wouldn't say that they radiate joy necessarily. It is an iron. I grew up. Outside of Washington D.C., and 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 I had senators and Congress people as our neighbors, and so and there were these very very wealthy people, and they they were some of the worst alcoholics and abusive relationships and very sad households because of course I knew the kids of these people, and you know what they need to do? <laughs> More weed? You know, no, they need to have an orgy. 
immediately. <laughs> Having sex alleviates many problems in life. I just finished a new series of confessions on the uh, at the disco. And I just posted a few minutes ago a painting that says orgies don't start themselves. It's text layered on top of a big disco ball. Because I'm just right now, everybody's all, you know, they've been in their house for a year. People need to party. They need to get out there. But back to the senators and whatnot, I find a lot of those people to be the wildest motherfuckers on the planet. I, They're just my father's a priest. And, and so, like, I hear I heard all. Oh, you have nothing to apologize for. It's, well, I have another disco ball that actually says uh, the Lord is testing me. No, no. So you got to understand my I, back in the day when I was doing like lots of heroin and cocaine and stuff, I had a silver BMW and it was nicknamed the disco ball. So like I'm all good with it. Nice. Wow. You did go through a self-destructive phase. Uh, you know, I was a roadie. I was touring around with rock and roll bands. So like, you know, it's what you did. You were. Uh, who were you with? Well, I generally worked from New York to Washington, D.C. My home base was the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. And so, like, I would I would only tour that area because I was actually in school at the time. <laughs> yeah, I was in art school in Washington, D.C., and I scheduled my classes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday so I could tour Thursday through Sunday. Nice. Well, that sounds fun. I'm glad you made it through it okay. Odd, and I'm, I'm sure you have stories to tell. Oddly enough, it was the only time I got straight A's in all of college. Wow. The irony of that. Balance, I guess, huh? I don't know what it was. Yeah. I maybe I was just more relaxed, not as anxious, I guess, in the end. I have no idea. Maybe. Yeah. What else uh, you want to grind me down about? Oh my God, everything. I've, you're the first guest I've ever had where I literally have like two pages of questions like that I was like, oh my God, I want to know about this. So, um, but you brought up certificates of authenticity. Now, I'm obsessive about this. I do like this massive thing. I do like the hologram matching numbered stickers on the back of the, the work and the on thing. Am I being too obsessive? What do you do? No, I would never judge you on how you do something. You're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Okay, let me rephrase the question. When it comes to certificates of authenticity, what do you do? Well, I have my team takes, because all of my work is, I have a photographer on my staff. Why can I not speak? We photograph them. So the photograph is there. It has a statement of authenticity. It's signed. We have all of the insurance forms. But as far as like stickers and all that, I mean, to me, the art speaks for itself. It's in an archive. But you have to know, too, I'm a perfectionist about some things, but with my art and other things, I'm kind of loose with it. I'm very prolific. So, you know, to me, like it, and also as an art collector, like it is what it is, you know. Okay. What are you a perfectionist about? Goals. Goals. I wake up in the morning with, feel almost like a warrior that fell asleep under a tree and you wake up and you hear something and you think there's like a herd of people coming after you. I go as hard as I can all day. I paint until I can't move my wrist or my shoulder. I don't know what it is inside of me, what spirit it is inside of me, whatever it is. I'm very aware of time. I'm very aware that I'll never have enough time in my life to create everything I want to create. There'll never be enough time in my life to see everything in the world that I want to see. And 
you know, look, when they build like a Bugatti or a fucking McLaren or a goddamn Ferrari, that thing is built to be in fucking fifth gear. Not all the time. But you want to hear that fucking engine running, man. You will just want to run it. That's how I roll. All right. Okay. When it comes to your business practices then, so because you said just some things you're you know obsessive about, some things you're not, that how do you make the decision of like what to put out as an original painting versus what to create as a print versus what to create as a... I don't make prints. Oh, I thought you did. No, they can make prints when I'm fucking dead. You do limited edition things. Sorry. I make like, yeah, like little trays that I'll make 35. I'll make beautiful silk scarves that I'll make 50 of. I'll do little decoupage trays. They're more collectibles, limited edition collectibles for... A lot of people that, for example, at one part, at one point, it, ugh, and at one point in my life, I couldn't afford to buy original art. But I'm not the kind of person that ever really had prints hanging in my house. But I wanted artful, cool, curated little things. And so, you know, I had, I, I still get so many emails about prints that I, you know, I didn't want to do that. Print to the ultimate insurance policy, and I get. So frustrated when I see artists where like their most expensive piece of art is like $2,500, which is less than a handbag that most women carry. I mean, a Gucci, a baseline Gucci handbag is $3,800. So when I look at artists that are creating new art and they're trying to get out there and they're like, oh, I don't know. It's $2,000. I don't know if anybody will buy it. I'm like, it's less than a fucking handbag. It's less than a fucking handbag. So when I see artists that then have their price point that low and then they go and they're selling prints for $75, that's like going to a bar looking for a husband and sucking everybody's dick in the bar on the same night. Yeah, I would imagine that would not be good. Um, I have not personally done that, but I believe you. Well, I mean, it might be good if that's what, if you really like sucking dick, that would be a fucking blast. But I think in terms of finding a husband, you know, you're going to have to find a real fucking freak nasty motherfucker to lock it down after that. So for me, you know, releasing prints and doing all that right now, it's kind of blowing your wad. I mean, that that's an insurance policy. What if I get in an accident and I can't see anymore? What if I fall down a flight of steps and I'm a fucking quadriplegic? What do we do? We release fucking France. We keep the money train rolling, baby. <laughs> I have really thought about this. I want to have a career like Andy Warhol and leave a legacy like fucking Peggy Guggenheim. God damn it, I'm going to do it. I read that. I also noticed you're doing charitable works. So like, and you're, so you're creating programs to help uh, what disadvantaged or underadvantaged people to be able to have access to produce or, or learn about art. Well. I'm doing scholarships, yes, and last year we were going to launch the scholarships, but I ended up doing most of my philanthropic work directly in my community because of, you know, the food bank and obviously. So this year we're trying to ramp that back up again, and I'm doing scholarships in the names of several close friends of mine that I've lost that were incredible photographers and in the theater and artists. I want to carry on their legacy, but also um, some scholarships for people that are in underrepresented communities. I think that's really important. I mean, when we see art and we, we find art that we love that speaks to us, we share a life force with that person. And no matter what area you live in, 
you know, there's a lot of people that need opportunity to get out there and have their work seen because that human connectivity of art is so important. When we look at the past, what do we do? We go to the fucking Metropolitan Museum. We go to these, we go to the Louvre. We look at artifacts. We look at Egyptian artifacts. How did people live back then? It's all about creativity and art that defines the time that we're living in. That's really the good part about being in a position to be able to chase my creative dreams, but also put money back into the industry that I really love and believe in that has helped me thrive. Oh, yeah. My previous guest to this actually was a, a curator and gallerist in Uganda. And he was talking about wow. all of the, the the interesting sort of goings on in, in East Africa. Wow. Government is so corrupt there that that that's been very interesting. It's true. I have a friend in Doctors Without Borders that worked over there with HIV and AIDS patients, and she would smuggle medication in her pants and all in her bra. She would wear spanks and stuff them because the government wouldn't legally let her bring that in. Um, yeah, yeah, we had problems keeping an internet connection because doing a FaceTimey kind of thing like this was considered social media and they locked down social media in the country. So right. that was interesting in and of itself. So Again, yeah. this is what I was telling you, me being a woman in America, as much as I've traveled around the world and I love the world and I'm inspired by the world. When I come here, the best thing about this country is that I have the ability to go out there and make my own way. I can be a fucking entrepreneur. I can take it as far as I want to fucking take it. You know, that's why it's important for me to use that opportunity. I mean, there's a lot of people that have died for me to have the opportunities that I have right now. So it's just kind of disrespectful, I think, to sit around and not use those opportunities, not go for it, you know? Okay, perfect world scenario. You just said, like, go for it as far as you can take it. How far would you like to take it? I mean, I feel like taking it just means uh, lots of opportunities, you know, having shows in London, being able to do a residency in Japan and China to, you know, be able to travel across the whole world to sit in the White House during a state dinner and, you know, meet incredible leaders. I mean, Wait. I'm sorry, are you listing things you have done or things you no, want to do? I mean, I mean okay. I've, I've traveled a lot, but I mean, you know, when, when, when you think about opportunity and what's really out there, when you get to a level of being able to have connectivity with very hyper creative, successful people, when I get around those people, I shut my mouth and I'm like, tell me everything. Tell me, tell me about the first time when you were really afraid that you might fail. Tell me about how you handled managing your company while you had to put out all this creative output and tell me how, tell me about your time management. I mean, being able to meet people like that and also being around people that have found great success, but also peace and joy. That's what I want. Damn it. Oh yeah. I mean, my wife works a 40 hour a week job and she's miserable and I work a, well, let's say less, you know, uh, structured life and I'm much happier. And so I've always tried to follow the path of finding some, finding happiness in a, in some sense of a balance in life rather than chasing the almighty dollar or chasing fame and glory and whatever other kind of thing people want. Those things, the thing about fame and money is, is that there's no cap on them. You can't ever have enough. It's like blow. There's never enough. Or dick. Indeed. It's true. So, oh, oh, I remember when I was like, oh my God, all I want to do is have $5,000 in my bank account. 
if I had $5,000 in my bank account for like six months straight, I, I am like, Ooh, well, so what happens once you've got $5,000? I want to have 10. I want to have 10,000. You know what? I'm going to get a fucking hundred thousand dollars in there. You know what? Fuck that. I'm going to get half a million. I want a million. I got a million. Now I want fucking five. I got five. I want fucking 10. Hey, I want a 10. I'm going to get 15. I'm going to get 15. I want to get a 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 25, 20. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it doesn't end. I do know. I grew up around a lot of those kinds of people that were just like literally chasing the almighty dollar. And I, I, and because of the way I was raised, having seen these people be miserable, like, because people always say like, oh, money buys you happiness. And I'm like, no, 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 it really doesn't buy you happiness. It buys, because the more money you have, the more concerned you are about losing it. <laughs> like some of the happiest people I've ever met in my entire life are people that never had money in the first place. So they don't know what that means. Well, that's like when we started out this podcast and you're like, you know, you've got more money, but that is, you know, more money, more problems. You plant your tree, you plant the seed, you hope your tree grows. You hope your tree produces fruit. The minute you've got fruit, you've got rabbits and squirrels and rats trying to steal all your damn fruit. You know, you got to protect it. It's harder to keep it than it is to make it. So I think the goal is being in the moment having enough of what you need to buy the canvas you need, buy the materials you need to create your art, to have enough money in the bank to go, you know what? I really enjoy going to the mountains once a year. Okay. I'm going to work hard. So I have enough money for that. I want to have enough money to have a beautiful holiday party for my friends at my house. Am I working hard for that? I'm working hard for that. It isn't, if, if you're just chasing that dollar, there is no joy in that at all, at all, at all. Yeah. And I think that's the good part about having a business mind and also a creative mind because creative people are sensitive mostly and empathetic and, you know, we're here to observe and learn and there's a lot of solitude and introspective energy that goes into all that. And I think we're all just trying to be happy. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. My whole thing about like you've been more successful financially just is is just that, well, you've been able to pull off that sort of hat trick of some amount of financial success that most artists, now I don't care if they're writers or musicians or visual artists, we're all seeking that uh, stability, that that ability to say, I have enough. I'm not saying wealthy, but like, I don't need to worry about where I can, get, can be able to afford my next canvas or buy my next guitar or whatever like that. And you've, you've been able to achieve that. And so I'm sort I'm really quite amazed. I want that for artists. I want artists to realize that they do have the ability that if they want to, to represent themselves, to understand that th there is a business model here. And with all the social media and the digital opportunities, you know, combined with having shows and meeting people because digital social media things are just not the answer. They're just the cherry on top, you know, that you can go out there and make money. And there's a way to learn how to talk about money. There's a starting point on pricing your work. I mean, like with my work, I've followed the laws of economics for the last 27 years. If something cost $200 27 years ago, and now it costs 35,000, well, that's because that's what the market allowed. 
People kept buying it at the other prices. So we fucking, you know, when they sell out, raise the goddamn prices. It's the laws of fucking economics. Well, I mean, the general law about like art is art is valued at whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. I know. Okay. But wait, you said business model. I love a business model. Give me, what's your business model? How are you doing this? You know, the more lines in the water, the more chances you have to catch a big fish. My dad taught me that. And I think, again, there's so many different types of artists out there. And I don't criticize art that I don't understand. Uh, You know, there's art that I wouldn't necessarily live with that isn't for me, that doesn't reflect my own life energy. But I I love to paint. I'm a crazy person. I'm fucking prolific as hell. So I, I paint lots of different types of art that I think draws in different types of collectors because, you know, I mean, I'm multifaceted. I'm wild as hell. I'm foul mouthed, but I also love glamor. I love fashion. I love things that are beautiful. So I reflect that in my artwork as much as I might paint a painting that says, you know, orgies don't start themselves or you could get higher. I also would paint a beautiful portrait of Audrey Hepburn with flowers and beetles and all of these things that just delight me so much. So I think as far as a business model goes is if I don't paint it, I can't sell it. I feel like Using social media as a tool to stay connected to your clients is really amazing. I think emailing people directly is incredible. I think having shows, maintaining incredible relationships with your mentors, I think working harder than anybody else. I think ambition, enthusiasm, and gratitude will put you over the edge in the business world. I know the countless conference rooms that I've walked into in New York City where I've got a table full of men and I'm like, Hey y'all, what's up? They're like, Oh, this girl, whatever. What they don't know is I ain't leaving that room till I got the money, baby. Fucking closing that shit. I think this is why me making the limited edition little products for my artwork, taking on these collaborations from huge billion dollar corporations where I'm learning how they're working It's I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm getting paid from that. I'm realizing, oh, wow, you can do something that way. My team and I are like, oh, whoa, we never thought about that. Well, now we can implement that into what we're doing. It's like it's all this growing learning process. Then all the while, I'm making paintings. I'm painting. So we're selling paintings. I'm doing two smalls releases twice a year, creating a huge amount of urgency for that. I mean, the urgency is, and it's morbid as fuck, is that I will be dead are are you trying to share something are you dying that we don't know about we're dying every day so are you today's the youngest you'll ever be motherfucker we're dying right now it's true it is true it's morbid and nobody wants to fucking talk about it but you want to know why i'm so fucking full of piss and vinegar i've got more kicking me than an old mule i am not done I am not done. There's a lot to be done. So business model, the business model is there's work to do. The business model is nothing feels better than a day of work, you know, and I'm trying to teach these fucking millennials and Gen Z's that. I'm older than you. So you're trying to teach it to me now as well. Well, I'm also a very anxious person. I've always had lots of anxiety. Oh yeah. I took a Xanax before I got on here. 
Don't do well, that. I, I don't take pills or anything like that. I can't when I'm creating, but that's that's awesome. There's nothing I love more than a Xanax and three glasses of champagne. That's a blast. I think I found in all of my nervousness and anxiety about being an adult and how I was going to provide for myself, you know, that, that anxiety creates energy, right? You're anxious. Your brain is racing. Your heart rate goes up. Your breathing changes. Do you know what fixes it for me? Work. If I get in front of a canvas, even if my mind is racing, which as we create and we paint, people that aren't creative don't know this, but there's a a little line between your brain and your arms and that canvas. And at one point, it's like your mind sees exactly what you want to paint and it takes over. And then your arm is working doing this, but your mind is a million a million miles away and it's meditative. You think through things. So while my mind is racing, I just figured, well, at the end of the day, I might as well have something to show for that time. And that's really when I started creating artwork and I saw these things, paintings lined up against the wall. And I said, Whoa, I made all this Fuck, I want to sell this. Like this could really be a career for me. So very early, you know, my anxiety, I just thrusted it into jet fuel. Yeah. I mean, I, my studio is the one and only place that I feel calm in my entire life for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, even if whatever I'm doing in the studio is not working well, uh, it's still nowhere near as, you know, anxious or, or concerning to me. Like, you know, like if something goes wrong in the studio, fuck it, I'll just make another or fuck it, I can fix it, whatever. But if something goes wrong in your business, it's like, oh shit, that I got to deal with, fuck, and you know, and suddenly you're all stressed and nervous and whatever. But, which actually brings up an interesting question, when you're making your works, how, what, like, what's your percentage, like, of successful works, works that you finish up and you're like, that's great, is it 100%, 50% of the works? Oh, of course, 100%, and I'll tell you why. It, no, I'm going to tell you why, and you're going to understand it, and I'm not being an egomaniac or thinking that my shit doesn't stink. I am not going to have a mentally unproductive, abusive relationship with myself. I am not going to sit there and list a bunch of things that I hate about a creation that I've made. Now, of course, some pieces speak to me more than others. Some pieces are exactly as I intended them. Others, it's like, shit, I got to rework that. But I will not sit there and be thoughtfully abusive to myself about a place of joy and creation. No. Fair enough. Maybe I, yeah, I, I do intentionally like do that to myself. I'm sure. Yeah. It's just a me thing, I guess. Well, the same way as me, you know, as a woman, if I'm like, I don't look like Bella Hadid. Oh God. Oh, I bought a pair of size four jeans. They still don't fit. I hate myself. Why can't I wear them? I'm not going to do that. You know, one of the fucking jeans don't fit. I'm going to go buy a pair of fucking jeans that fit. I'm going to put on a bunch of fucking jewelry and I'm going to go out there, pinch my nipples and smile. And I'm going to give them all I've got. And I'm going to do the same thing with my artwork. Speaking of that, got a question for you because my wife and I, we were talking about you before I got on. And I was mentioning how it was very interesting that you work with uh, a lot of penis imagery, sex imagery. But the penis imagery is the one that sort of stuck with me. Because, for example, 
if I, as a male, white American, were to paint vaginas, I would be sexist, uh, you know, all kinds of horrible things. Oh, yes, I would. To whom? To the art world as a whole. But The art world. Well, but that's the thing. But you are able to pull off painting penises. Like, do you get any grief for that kind of stuff? No. Are you talking about the silly little watercolors that I did? I am talking about the silly little watercolors. I mean, I like painted those on an airplane or something. You know, I was just digging around. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, let's just talk about the fact that you just put a huge limitation on yourself creatively based on what you think society will allow you to do. That is bullshit. You got to fucking stop that crap right now. Because let me tell you something. Right now, everybody's coming after everybody. And if you don't stand your ground creatively and know, yes, sometimes impact is different than intention. Sometimes things are, you know... Look, if you and I listen to the same song, all right, and that song makes me cry for God only knows whatever reason, and you're like, oh, I like this song. Well, is, is that the musician's fault? No. You put art out there. You paint pussies. Maybe you're painting pussies because, you know what? The first house we all had was a fucking uterus. Maybe that's why you fucking paint pussies. Maybe, maybe you know, the second strongest muscle in the human body is a uterus next to the fucking human heart. Maybe that's why you fucking paint pussies. You should not put limitations on yourself just because you're a fucking white man. Period. I appreciate your vigor on that. That's good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, so I, so I paint penises. Okay. Well. Somebody's upset about it. Guess what? Well, Don't look at You hate me. Unfollow me. Go blast me on the internet. You fucking hate me? Okay, I paint penises. Well, no, no, no. I am not blasting you. I am in no way negative. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm very envious that you can get away with painting penises, and it's fine, but I can't paint vaginas. (laughs) I think that you can paint vaginas, but what I'm saying is, uh, also, I'm not the kind of woman, there's lots of people out there that wouldn't ridicule you as a man for painting a vagina. Are there people that would do that? You goddamn right they are. But why is that going to shape your creative journey? I think right now, especially in this culture that we have going on where comedians can't make jokes and we have to protect the sanctity of creative expression in the world. Somebody may paint something that I don't like, but you know what? Art is supposed to bring about a conversation. Art is about being reflective. Art is subjective. Art is this thing that is very godly. It is anything that we want it to be. I mean, I could go outside and light this bottle on fire and take a photograph of it and I have made art. Why did I do that? Well, because I've had enough of these plastic bottles and the plastic bottles are toxic to the, to the planet. So now I'm going to light it on fire and I'm going to melt it and I'm going to make a fucking thing about it. God damn it, I'm an artist. It is so important for me right now as an art collector to see what other artists are putting out there into the world. Do other people feel the way that I feel? This is how we connect. This is how we connect without words. A picture paints a thousand words. Paint the pussies. (laughs) This is great fun. Yeah. Well, okay. 
art also can work as like a cultural thing. You know, it's like certain cultures will appreciate certain things. And so, I mean, I've recently had this conversation with a lady in Australia about how the the art is often the thing that like diplomats will come and they will bring a gift to the emperor or the king or whatever of art of their home country. So like art is the 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 currency that is often defining you know cultures but unfortunately we are looked down upon by most cultures in most ways like you know when you when your children are growing up you don't go oh i really hope they become an artist you go oh i really hope they become a doctor or oh i do 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 i have parents that contact me all the time and they go oh my god my kid is obsessed with you and i'm like does your kid make art and they go yes and i say oh that's so wonderful because the world needs more artists it does yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Infinite amount of money to be made. So we don't have to hate each other about it. We can celebrate each other when we have a huge success, when we sell art, when we make a big deal, because there is no cap on how much money we can all fucking make. Okay. I want to ask you this then. Have you ever thought about basically sort of representing other artists? No, because I want to inspire other artists to represent themselves. Because nobody can sell your art like you can. Nobody can explain it like you can. And I promise you, just like me when I buy artwork, people that love art and that are collectors of art, they want to know you. It is a very intimate relationship to live with the artwork of a living artist, to be friends with that person, to live with their spirit every day. To have that energy around you is a very intimate, amazing relationship. The connectivity is incredible. I love to promote other artists. I love to buy other artists. And when I buy art, I go in and I buy art the way that I wish everybody bought art from me. I'll be like this. I'll come in with a stack of fucking $30,000 and I'll be like, pick me out $30,000 worth of art. Pick me out your favorites right now. I want them. I love it. Okay, well, tell me a little bit about your art collection. What, what you know? What are some of the, what what are some of your favorite pieces right now? Well, I can't say that because I love all of them. Oh God, where do I start? Okay, I especially love the artwork of an artist named Mark Dennis. He's absolutely incredible. I just bought two of his pieces, actually, from a gallery in Paris. Erica Lassiers, I bought two of her paintings last night. Nora Martin is an incredible realist painting in Los Angeles. I bought two of her. I, I try to buy two to three pieces of each of the artists that I collect so that when I have my big building that's like the frick, when the public gets to come in and see all of my stuff, they can see a very nice, you know, array of the art. I mean, it's countless. I'm actually about to hire an intern to put together a full-blown portfolio of my art collection because I, I think it's worth a couple million dollars right now. Nice. That's lovely. I mean, I, I think this is, you know, part of the thing that like when, I, when an artist becomes successful, I love it when they I hear that they're basically they're giving back. So like this is your way of also giving back. Somebody buys art from me, then I take that, that money and I buy art from them. Then they take that money and they buy canvases and supplies and they make more art. So I'm just fueling the fire in your a lot of your imagery you use famous people famous brands things like this and i often wonder like do people who do that in their artwork uh end up getting lawsuits against copyright infringement and this kind of stuff have you run into any of those problems 
you know what, knock on wood, I have not, but I also think I'm going with the river, not against it. Um, I, I love to paint things and people that are recognizable because it feels safe to me. I've tried to paint series of just like imaginary people and it feels very uncomfortable for me. I don't know why. There's a comfort in the familiarity of these things. I mean, I, you know, I painted all of those presidents and Gucci and all that stuff. And then Gucci reached out to me and I, I saw, I had an email from them and I'm like, oh shit, but they actually wanted to do a collaboration with me. So, I mean, isn't it kind of an honor to have artists like, like I have lots of artists that paint portraits of me and all that kind of thing. And I'm, it tickles me to death. The thought that they could sell something like that and make money. I love that. Well, unfortunately, America is a very litigious society, so that's why I wonder. Well, I wonder too. Okay, and that's marvelous. All right, last things that I'm I'm asking people, so this is sort of wrapping it up here. Um, Three artists that you think need or desire should have more people recognizing them. My friend, Big Chief Damon Melanson in New Orleans, he's actually a Mardi Gras Indian. He's a big chief of the Young Seminole tribe, and he's the first Mardi Gras Indian to go into the contemporary art world. He He's absolutely magnificent, and I have... I think I have like 15 of his pieces. He does bead work. He's he's and he's such a beautiful human being and his wife Alicia. I love him. I want him to be so fucking famous. My friend Andrew Alford, who might be one of the most creative people I've ever met in my life. He actually used to design massive hotels and he would design 20 hotels in one year that were all incredible. It would literally be like Rihanna doing 20 top albums in one year. And he's just broken out into the art world and he has so many ideas. He started this project yesterday in Portland, Oregon, where he took these little canvases and he only painted half of them. And then he wrote on the back of them, you did not find this by mistake. I'm an artist and we're going to do a collaboration together. You found this, you complete the art and then tag me on Instagram. Like it's just, he's so interactive with people. Okay. You really got me on the spot here because I... I like putting people on the spot with this question. Yes. Well, because if you have too much time to think about it, then you overthink it. Okay. My friend, Emmanuel de Sosa, he's actually in London. Actually, he's right outside of London. He moved from there. This man, he's classically trained. His ideas are incredible. I, I think I have 10 of his pieces now in my collection. He's just magnificent. His work is dreamy and deep and his figures are amazing. I actually took my whole family to his house to meet him and his wife one day about an hour and a half outside of London. And God, he's also a tattoo artist. So fucking cool. And then again, my friend, Nora Martin, she's so talented. She's so amazing. My friend, Tiffany Turner makes these massive huge paper flowers that look like peonies and roses. And they're, you know, like I love things big because I feel like it's very humbling, like the same way you're supposed to feel in church. And these, I bought one of her massive, it's actually a rose and the edges of it are brown. Like it's like starting to like fade out. And the whole idea is that this is still so beautiful, even though it's a little brown and older around the edges. I just, I absolutely love her. I mean, you know, I, I could send you over a fucking list of a hundred people. 
I would gladly put it in the show notes for you. Yeah. Uh, okay. And last question really is just uh, any advice, even though you've already given some good advice, but like some, some advice um, for the business person going into the arts. For the business side, not the artist, the business side. Yes. I'll fucking tell you what it is. You know what? You better find your audience. Go find your audience. And when you find your audience and people come to you and want artwork, figure out how to make it happen. Close that deal. Coffee is for closers. Every second that you have of your life to have a connection with somebody that wants your artwork, you figure out how to fucking sell it. Don't shortchange yourself. Don't put things on sale. Don't forget that one day you will be dead and get that money. Close that deal. Get your artwork out there into the fucking world. Find the people that get you. Find the people that love you. When you find that frequency, fucking put it in fifth gear and ride it, baby. Fucking ride it into the sunset. Fabulous. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with me. Thank you so much. The Wise Fool is made possible in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunstcentrene in Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you're enjoying this podcast, we would appreciate a five-star rating and a nice comment would be greatly appreciated. Please tell your friends to listen and subscribe also. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're looking to get you more involved in the process of the podcast. So if you have any recommendations or people that you admire or respect that you want to hear more from, please send us a message through Instagram and I'll do everything in my power to get them as a guest on the podcast. Also, if you have any questions that you want me to ask future guests on your behalf, like why or how they choose their subjects or how do they logistically store all of their extra artwork that didn't sell or isn't on exhibition, well, send me those questions and I'll ask them on your behalf. Additionally, please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and tell your friends to listen as well. In the near future, we will also be starting a newsletter. So if you want to be more involved and more in touch with what we're doing and what our future plans are, please be sure to go to our website, wisefoolpod.com and sign up for that newsletter. And regardless of whatever you're doing right now, have fun.